I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Pete Najarian, and James McDonald. Tonight on Fast, the retail rush is on. Just nine shopping days left until Christmas. So who's going to win this holiday season? Get ready, Fast Money fans, because we are unwrapping a brand new game. Stick around to find out more. Plus, Bank of America's Savita Supermanian says it is time to hit the sell button while she's ringing the register heading into the new year. Plus, Check out the move in these two pot stocks, Tilray and Afria, soaring in the after hours on Deal Talks. We'll bring you the details, give you the traders' take straight ahead. But we start with the standout stock in today's rally. Check out shares of Apple. Shares zooming higher and reports that the company will ramp up iPhone production by 30% in the first half of next year. If you caught the show last Wednesday, you will remember that we discussed these dueling calls that were out that day on Apple. Morgan Stanley reiterating its buy call on the stock, betting on a strong holiday quarter, while Goldman reiterated its sell call, specifically pointing to iPhone weakness. Guy, it looks like round one goes to Morgan Stanley, but ultimately, who wins? It's interesting because Pedro was on the show last week. Mm -hmm. And Mel, uh, where were you on March 29th, 1987? (laughs) Do you remember by any chance? I'm sure the answer is no, but I know Pete knows where he was. No, Pete was watching this because I guarantee I was as well. March 29, 1987 was WrestleMania three, and the feature match, of course, was uh, the Hulkster against Andre the Giant. And that's what we have going on here with <laughs> Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. And I think the first round has clearly gone to Andre the Giant in the form of Katie Huberty and Morgan Stanley. My sense is Andre's going to have his moment, but Katie Huberty will uh, she'll win in the end. So I'm sort of in the Morgan Stanley camp. Pete does a damn good Andre the Giant, uh, but I think Stanley comes out on top in the end of this, Melissa Lee. Uh, I'll have to go to you, Pete, or Andre the Giant. I don't know what you yeah. want to be called at this point. Um, you did no, like you, the Hulk. you are the Hulk. always the Hulk. You're always a fan of Katie Huberty, and you also agreed with her. You have always yes. liked Apple. At the same time, these reports, this report yeah. specifically comes from Nikkei. We've heard these sorts of reports before where they do channel checks, and these are the indications, and they don't necessarily pan out. Right. Well, I think what Katie's done has has her coverage has been far more accurate. I think if you just go back in the history, you look at Goldman Sachs and what their calls have been from the analysts at Goldman Sachs and Apple, and then take a look at what Katie Huberty has done. I don't even think it's close, Mel. And by the way, it's not Andre to the Giant. I think Katie Huberty in this particular case is Hulk Hogan because she's the winner. She's the one who's coming out on top. And I think it's been very consistent. She's made some great calls along the way. And obviously today with these production numbers they're talking about with the phone, And I keep saying I don't think people should focus on the phone. Well, in this particular case, they are. But I think the reality is that when you really look at where's the margin growth, Mel, it's absolutely in services. It's absolutely in wearables. And that's where they continue to grow. If you go back to last quarter and look through that earnings report, you could see exactly what I'm talking about. And that revenue continues to grow in those areas. So it's wonderful. This is just another cherry on top for Apple right now. And I think Katie Huberty's been right, and I think she'll continue to be right, and I think she'll win. That is a very appropriate metaphor, cherry on top, seeing where you are, Pete. For those uh, (laughs) who don't have the benefit of being able to see Pete, like our traders or people listening to the radio, Pete is at an ice cream store right now, sitting in front of the ice cream case. So the cherry on top is probably something that he's actually witnessed a few times. Guy has his hand up, but I do want to go to James. (laughs) Get back to the trade here on Apple. What Pete said in terms of services... What's great is up 30% production because that continues that flywheel for, for the purchase of those services, the higher margin businesses. But, James, there is a question in this report, and that is the, the, the um, allocation between iPhones 11 and 12s, it's not clear what it is. So it's up 30%, but it's for both of the phones. And clearly the 12 would be the better 
for Apple if it leaned to the 12. Right. And so I love the wrestling analogy, but can you imagine you work so hard to get to those banks only to be reduced to a greasy person in the ring? Um, <laughs> we study Apple more than we study wrestling, and we think that this is going to continue to trade in a range. The 5G rush will happen when the infrastructure is in place. And so the iPhone 12 sales in Q1 2021 are more about brand loyalty than 5G. Um, and if we look where there's a stock going, Apple's trading at almost 30 times forward EPS. It's gone high before, but it's still in this range. It needs more hardware subscriptions to justify this valuation. In our non-wrestling opinion, uh, iPhone 12 production, the ramp up means Apple's doubling down on a widespread 2021 5G rollout. And like we said, we think that that 5G rollout is gonna be more efficacious when the infrastructure is in place. The network infrastructure plays a key part in the rollout. Apple may be a little bit ahead of the curve here. AT&T, Verizon uh, will not move any traffic over to standalone 5G until the end of this year. And they're gonna continue to test through 2021. Um, and so we think the upside is there, but we wanna see the infrastructure in place a little bit uh, before the um, uh, the new and latest and greatest phones come out. I feel like we're getting- And the Randy Macho Man Savage could have beat either of those guys. I just <laughs> wanna put that out there. <laughs> I feel like we're getting in the danger zone because we got two um, ex-football guys duking it out on Apple, uh, but Tim, in terms of that infrastructure, what's important to keep in mind, too, is that elsewhere in the world, the infrastructure is actually there. They are way ahead of the U.S. in terms of 5G deployment. And specifically in Asia, where it is more advanced, there is no more COVID pandemic problem in terms of consumer spending. I mean, things are rebounding as we speak. So, first of all, one of the happiest days of my life is when I saw that the Iron Sheik was following me on Twitter. So uh, I just want to weigh in on the wrestling conversation. And you can make an argument that Apple um, has some of the legacy Chinese operators and handheld uh, hardware manufacturers in a supine hold. Because, I mean, you have a dynamic here where uh, I think they continue to be the brand leader at a time when 5G is growing around the world. But you don't own Apple for that. You own Apple really for this increasing multiple that's based upon services. And the fact that they're, uh, I think one of Katie Huberty's points is not only is she bullish on this elongated ordering cycle, uh, but that actually they have eight you know, products that have gone through a pretty massive refresh cycle. Um, so again, you know, you have this uh, installed base that continues to keep on giving for Apple. And they've really figured out how, how to keep the cash flow stream flowing just from those existing customers. That's why you own Apple. Yeah. Well, as we mentioned, Apple led the tech trade higher today, but you want to check out the performance of Fang overall and how it's done since the October highs. A huge divergence is starting to develop within the group. And Tim, you actually flagged this in our midday call in terms of um, the differences in the percentage gains and losses within this group. Are we witnessing the death of Fang here? Well, you certainly to, to Fang is an acronym um, through a lot of assumptions together, and they're not necessarily the same companies as we all know, but in some level what bound them together was these are higher growth companies, but maybe more importantly, high capacity allocations and places where you got growth at a reasonable price, or maybe a lot of growth in Amazon's case at not a reasonable price. But, but look, if you look at Apple, it's outperformed Facebook by almost 30% over the last six months. If you look at Google, it's outperformed Amazon uh, by about 15% over the last three months. If you look at Apple and Google, they've really been the class of that group over the last couple months. But arguably, Amazon has been the best story. And as we come through COVID, maybe some of the trends for Amazon and e-commerce are, are really going to be the best. But, but you know, I, I think FANG, we love to do this in markets. We love to uh, apply jargon and acronyms. And I think FANG had its time. Uh, the correlations here, I think, are breaking down.
All right, so that got us thinking. If the FANG trade is maybe over, what could be the new group, the leadership group for 2021? And so we've asked our, our traders to um, think of their own jargon or acronyms, whatever you want to call it, the grouping of stocks guy that you think will lead us in mm. 2021. What would that be? Well, before we get into this, Mel, I just Another want to preamble. point out that our crack staff back in EC, led by Jonesy, was playing Ice Cream Man by the mighty Van Halen as Pete was sitting in some creamery or something in Florida. I, you sort of let that <laughs> pass by. It, it would be, I have to creamery. bring that up, number one. Number two, I actually said Katie Huberty was the um, Hulk Hogan. And although Andre might have a, a middle rounds to him, Andre, uh, Hulk will emerge victorious. So I'm with Pete on that. And the third thing, what was it? Oh, acronyms. I'll give you mine. Uh, and what springs eternal, Melissa? I know you like these things. Hope. Hope springs eternal. Hope springs eternal. And that's going to be the buzzword for 2021. And what are the stocks associated with hope? Well, the first one is Pete's favorite, Home Depot. And we've been steadfast on this. Home Depot is actually trading cheap to itself over a five-year basis. I think uh, uh, Telsey Advisory just put a $325 price target on it. I think it gets there early in the year. Always for Oracle. And by the way, Oracle's broken out to the upside. Goldman Sachs conviction buy list, I think $72 price target. All of a sudden, Oracle's starting to figure it out. P is Tim's palantir because he's right. Big data is the next oil. And E is Expedia. I thought about this one, but you know what? People are going to want to travel. Expedia's traded really well lately, and I think it's going to test the highs we saw last October. There's your hope trade, Mel. Uh, Tim, you have a comment on, on the hope trade? Well, I, you know, Guy, I, I, love, I love the fact that you are so optimistic and, and hopeful, but I'm just trying to understand, uh, other than the fact that Oracle's the O in hope. Um, why does it fit here with Home Depot and Palantir? I was actually wondering the same thing. It seems like a random grouping of stocks, Guy. You actually right, thought, okay. of the, since, you thought of since, the word and then thought of the acronym. stocks to fit the since, word. But since you ask, uh -huh. since you ask, I'll give you the answer. Everybody seems to think Home Depot is, is benefiting from the stay-at-home world, the COVID world. That's probably true. But you know what? People are going to flock back to Home Depot when this whole thing is over. They've embraced it, and they're not going to go away, number one. Oracle, there's been hope about Oracle. It hasn't come through until recently. Go back and look at the last quarter. It was excellent. Palantir's a company that people have been talking about for years prior to going public. Now that it is, you've pointed out that it is a big data play and oil is the next big data. That's very hopeful. And Expedia speaks for itself. People want to get out and travel. You've said it a number of times that people are pent up. Well, if they are, they're going to flock to Expedia. So okay. despite what you want to say, Tim, it actually does make a lot of sense. Uh, to you, okay. it makes a lot of sense. It's a, it's a, it's a yeah. good grouping. Um, James, what's your acronym? I got to take everyone back to school, okay? You make money, you got to buy low and sell high. V, V, U, right? We're looking at records that have never been set before, like the record of a 104-yard interception return for a touchdown at Hastings that Guy did. These records will never be broken in this market. Russell up 23.5% in the last 30 days. We need protection going in to 2021. The VIX, VOLQ, and UVXY, these are volatility plays at different degrees of risk. And volatility looks like it's going to explode in 2021. This is where I want people to put their money. Go back to school. Uh T Tim, you raise your hand. You want to criticize James's acronym also? You're full of, full of comments tonight. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm curious. It's You're what, like the peanut gallery. It's, it's what I'm doing today. And obviously, I'm going to go next, everybody. So I'm clearly teeing myself up. But, but James, I don't, what, what does VVU spell? 
the VIX, VOLQ, and His criticism is that it's not a word, so it's not that it's not like Fang or Hope. It's it's hard to remember. It's just Vivu. An acronym can be a colloquialism too. It doesn't have to necessarily sound good. It's true. It's true. All right, let's move on. Tim, what's yours? So. So much in the same way we do when you enter the room, Mel. Um, let's all rise and listen to my my new acronym. So rise is the uh, trading basket that includes Rio Tinto, the IWM, Schlumberger, and emerging markets. And the reason why we're doing that um, is because these are all reflation trades. These are all uh, trades that benefit from cyclical reacceleration on some level from a global recovery that might even be better than the one we see in the United States and, and a dynamic where these are the asset classes and they're not all the same asset classes that are most exposed to this. These are all trades that have underperformed largely for the last three, four or five years. And now in the case of a Rio Tinto, uh, really breaking out after a multi-year basing process, same you could be made uh, argument about emerging markets. And I think we're seeing that even in the oil sector. So uh, really like this and small caps trade along with those trades. All right. So, uh, Pete, what's your acronym? And I see you're the only one who has actually accepted a member of FANG into your new group. Right. Well, and, and mine is Fang. It's the new Fang. And what, what I mean by that, Mel, is I've turned it into a battle royal. They're throwing some of them out. Facebook, they're out. They're getting thrown out of the ring. I'm replacing them with Freeport McMoran. I, I think it makes a lot of sense because Tim knows he just brought up with, with his, with Rio. I look the same way when I'm looking at Freeport McMoran. I think there's a couple of different qualities about the companies that I've got when I put in this acronym that will make sense at the very end because that one, obviously, materials. I'm very bullish on the materials. Space, But then you go to Apple. We just got done talking about that, so we don't need to, to go too long on that one. But then Amazon. And I look at Amazon. Everybody continues to want to call this the big e-commerce company, which they are. But their real story is their AWS. So this is obviously a tech company that's done extremely well. And I think they'll continue to do well, even in a hybrid environment, when we've got some people going to work, some people staying at home, and all the rest of that. And in the end, I don't have Netflix in there. I've got NVIDIA. They did an unbelievable job, Mel, with their acquisition. I think the ARM, that's going to be huge for them. It, it, it propels them that much further in the data center world. And lastly, I love the financials. I was trying to go through them. I didn't call them banks. I said financials. Goldman Sachs, when you look at that last quarter and what they, what they were able to put up, I think that's something that we're going to see quarter after quarter after quarter in 2021. So I'm giving you the old name, and we threw out a few of the old ones. Google, you're out. Goldman Sachs is in. Facebook is out. Freeport McMoran is in. You've got to throw a few of these guys out. Netflix out. NVIDIA in. I like, I like the new Fang. Like, that's not going to be confusing next year when we start talking about it. <laughs> Our next guest sees something <laughs> ominous forming in the market, and it may be time to hit the sell button. Let's bring in Savita Subramanian, head of U.S. Equity and Quantitative Strategy at Bank of America Security, B of A Securities. Savita, great to see you. Great to see you, Melissa. Great to see everyone. So we've just been outlining sort of these baskets of stocks we think are going to be leadership yep. next year. Which sorts of baskets would you lean towards? Look, I think, you know, I think there's always money to be made by investing in equities. And I think the best bang for your buck in this type of market is playing a cyclical recovery rather than a stock market recovery and looking for basically the most GDP sensitive stocks in the S&P 500. So that really gets us towards financials. Even energy is a sector that I think could continue to work in an environment where we're all coming 
you know, we're, we're emerging from our cocoons, um, probably more of a second half story, admittedly, but I think the market is anticipating that. Um, you know, my highest conviction idea for you right now is value, value, value. And it might be just as simple as looking at the 50 cheapest stocks in the S&P 500 by price to book value or price to earnings. Here's the kicker. In every recession that we've had, in 14 of the last 14 recessions, we've had the recovery led by cheap stocks. And that recovery has typically lasted for about 12 months. That value cycle has lasted for 12 months. So I think that everybody is looking at what's happened over the last few months. You know, we've had a great run for energy. We've had small cap caps come back from the dead. We've had, you know, a lot of these cheap beaten down areas of the market um, you know, starting to outperform, people look at that and they say, this is done, you want to go back to growth stocks. And I vehemently disagree. I, I like the new thing that I just heard about in the last segment, because I think it makes sense to switch from growth stocks with tough comps to value stocks, which are actually the new growth stocks. I mean, I think what's really interesting right now, Melissa, is that if you look at the value benchmark, it is slated to grow earnings faster in the next three years than the so-called growth stocks and the growth benchmark. I mean, this is a weird world we're living in, but I think it's typical of coming out of a recession. Hey, Savita, it's Tim. As always, it's great to have you on the show. And when you talk about value, and this is a little bit more of a tactical question, is it value on yeah. a trailing basis or a going forward basis? Because, you know, on a trailing basis, it's, it's obviously we're looking back at, at normalized earnings. And there are a lot of these companies that people don't expect to normalize until 2022. Do you have a thought on that? Yeah, I do. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Great question. Um, you know, I think that value is really more about it's less about a snapshot multiple and it's more about kind of a DCF way to think about the world. And if you even if you look at growth stocks versus value stocks on a discounted cash flow analysis, and, and I can send you the numbers and the backstory here, um, we found that value right. stocks are, are, are now finally cheaper than growth stocks. I mean, it's interesting because I think the, the growth companies did really well for a really long time because interest rates were falling, falling, falling to, to zero. And that low cost of capital helps these, you know, growthier, long duration types of stocks. But we're now at a point where even factoring in this, this, you know, ultimate low interest rate environment, growth stocks are now starting to overprice that discount rate. And I know this is a little too mathy, but, but I think that we're at a point where you know, if anything happens to the discount rate, if, if rates rise even a little bit, and we've seen a, a pretty big move so far, if we see any sort of inflationary pressure in uh, in the economy, that's really going to hit a lot of these growth companies from a DCF or a discounted cash flow basis harder. So, you know, your question is well taken. How do you value companies in today's low interest rate environment? And I think a discounted cash flow uh, and kind of analysis is the only way to think about you know, factoring that in, if that makes sense. Thank you. So I really appreciate that you like my new fangs uh, sort of <laughs> category that I've created and thrown some of those names out. Are you concerned? I have a little bit of concern, but I, I'm curious because of what you said also. Um, we got a lot of names in there that have pretty high valuations, relatively speaking. So does that concern you at all about the new fang? You know, I think that, like I said, valuations are a little bit 
sort of screwy right now because you know when you're at a peak or a, a trough in the cycle the worst way to pick stocks is on a price to trailing earnings right i mean you don't want to look at that because that's going to guide you exactly to the wrong stuff so i think that you know kind of looking at, at companies more holistically and thinking about you know how much are you paying today for the future of their cash over the full cycle at current discount rates that's the way to think about it and you know when i look at financials which which i think you named as the f in fang <laughs> financials is a sector that actually looks uh, very attractive on a dcf perspective it's also a beneficiary of, of potential inflationary pressures it's a beneficiary of a recovery um it's it's got quality balance sheets i think that's a sector where it's 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 easier to say okay it's cheap but it's cheap for good reasons rather than bad reasons um you know in other cases when you look at the market there's a lot of um you know a lot of areas that have already grown expensive on trailing earnings but i think that trailing earnings right now are just way too low if you think about what we're moving into in 2021 which is a, you know a grand reopening of the economy coming from you know an unprecedented global shutdown mm -hmm. in economic activity Savita, so I think those are some of the Savita, always great to see you thank you so much great to be here Thanks. happy holidays if we don't see you again Savita supermanian you too b of a um james mcdonald i know you're skeptical of the markets you're still predicting a big pullback you liked vivu uh for those reasons but <laughs> I know that there's things in the markets that you are invested in, so where do you find value right now? It's a great question. What we want to do is understand things are going to depend on how this vaccine works. If the vaccine works, uh, we wanted to talk about casinos. We think they stand to benefit the most from a vaccine rollout. If the vaccine works and the fear comes off, people are going to rush back into those things uh, that they rushed out of, right? And so we're talking about hospitality, we're talking about casinos, uh, we're talking about these areas that saw the immediate shock, airlines obviously. Uh, these are areas that we think we can buy cheap uh, and make money on going forward, depending on the efficacy of the vaccine, which we're about to find out right now. Okay. By the way, you can read more about the Bank of America Fund Flow survey on our website. Go to cnbc.com pro and sign up. Coming up, the countdown to Christmas is on. Fewer than 10 days to go. We'll take a look at which retail names you wrap or scrap this holiday season. But first, some big breaking news in the pot world. Major deal talks between two key players sending those shares up after hours. We got the details with Fast Money Returns. We've got some breaking news in the pot world. Tilray and Afria are in advanced merger talks. The deal could be announced as soon as tomorrow morning. The stocks are soaring uh, on this news. We see Tilray up by 17%, Afria up 14%. Tim, does this make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I think, first of all, Afria is arguably the best producer in Canada. They have a 14% market share. Erwin Simon, who's a friend of the show, uh, has been running that company and, and really understands brands. And I think to the extent that uh, these two entities are more powerful together, both through the strategic partnerships that, that Tilray has with some very large CPG companies uh, and Efria's acumen and their balance sheet, frankly, uh, they just recently made a purchase of, of uh, uh, Sweetwater in the U.S. So they have a brand presence here. And again, that's really what's going on. I think a lot of the Canadian operators have been trying to find a way to the U.S. market, which is really the market to be in. Um, and I think these two together uh, make more sense. It's, it's one of the largest positions in my ETF. So I think Afria is a very good operator. Yeah. Pete, where are you on the pot trade? 
You know, Mel, I've, I was in there for a long time, and I, I just haven't found it compelling enough. And, and it seems like there's been pressures and, and at least movement to other areas. So I'm, I'm no longer exposed at all in, in the pot world, but uh, or cannabis world, I should say. But it does continue to intrigue me. I just haven't found reason to that, that I'm excited to jump into trades there. So for now, I've been staying away from that, that particular sector. All right. We've got lots more ahead here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next. Santa is making his list and checking it twice. And so are our traders when it comes to retail stocks. They'll break down what names you should wrap or scrap this holiday season. Plus, housing is red hot. But some options traders see cracks in the foundation. That trade ahead. We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. We are rocking into the holidays. There are fewer than 10 days left until Christmas, which means fewer than 10 days left to grab those last-minute gifts. And with the NF, NRF excuse me, predicting more than $760 billion in sales up for grabs this holiday season, which retailer is going to come out as Christmas King? Well, get ready because we are unboxing a brand spanking new game Rabbit called... <laughs> That's right. Wrap it or scrap it. A holiday themed version of shop it or drop it, trade it or fade it, whatever you want to call it. It's new. So first up, Macy's. <laughs> that stock has been struggling this year, down more than 37%. Tim, are you wrapping or scrapping it? First, yeah, first we have to give kudos to Guy Adami for some creative inspiration on the game. This, this is, these are obvious choices here. I'm going to wrap the letter M, Macy's. And again, this is a company who might be struggling as closures Yay! could increase in big cities. But, but yes, um, ultimately, you have 7 million new digital customers in the last couple quarters, 43% digital penetration. They have switched uh, to more of an e-commerce play. Obviously, the brick and mortar store is still very important, but still a high short interest and improved balance sheet. Um, this isn't a company that's yesterday's company, but it's not going down. I do like the fact that this game is more straightforward in that wrap seems like a good thing you want to keep and scrap is very clear that you want to get rid of it. So it's, it's much more, it's much clearer than our games of the past. That's for sure. So for Pete, this should be easy for you to play. Alibaba, more than 20% is up this year. So what do you do? Wrap it or scrap? Scrap it. Yeah, I, th I think this is a rapid. I, I look at Alibaba, and, I, and you know, we, we talk about cloud. Look at the Yay! growth that they had in the cloud this past quarter. And this is a name very <laughs> similar in a lot of ways. We compare it to Amazon and all the rest. But, but I, I think that Baba actually is underappreciated, and I think there is plenty of upside there, Mel, so I'm wrapping it. I want to scrap it. I uh, hate to disagree with Pete, but the U.S.-China tensions, That's okay. they present significant <laughs> risk here. And the Chinese government... They're taking a hands-on approach to regulatories. Uh, they just find these guys on the 14th of this month. And Trump's uh, legacy here at the Holden, Holding Foreign Countries Accountable Act, um, the delisting issue is real. This is something we think Biden's going to continue. Um, and so I would scrap Alibaba. All right. Next up on this list, Nike, lacing up this year with some big gains. The stock is up 37% this year. Guy, what do you say? So how do you play this game again, Mel? You no, I'm created kidding. this game. I, cre you I mean, I it. came up you with it. I got it. another game. game. I got another you game. You play it right. Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> the, the safe bet would be to scrap it. But I'm wrapping this sucker ahead of earnings on Friday. And Yay! listen, I understand valuation is expensive. 
I also understand the stock's had a heroic run. I think it's trading all-time highs today. But you know what? The quarters have been remarkable. Direct consumers, a home run. They still have tremendous growth opportunities. So despite the fact that it's run, despite valuation, wrap it, Mel. I'm going to jump in here, Mel, and I'm going to say you got to scrap it. And sorry, Guy, I hate to disagree with you on this one. We agree on so many other things. But it's run so far, as you mentioned, and it's had an unbelievable run. When I look at where it's trading right now fundamentally, I just can't believe an 81 P.E., and even if you go forward, it's in the 50s. I'd rather be in Lululemon with similar numbers because they've got much more growth. So in this case, I hate to say it, but i got to scrap it. By the way, the sound effects are Maurice's children. Those are fantastic. They're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Best Buy up more than 17% this year. James, are you wrapping or scrapping it? We're wrapping Best Buy. This is a modernized shopping experience. Uh, their stores are providing delivery through warehouses. They're optimizing their close-range deliveries. If you talk to the smartest guys in the room uh, about the bottlenecks and getting stuff from online to the house, it's that close-range delivery zone. Uh, Best Buy's got this nailed like Amazon. Um, Even though they closed all their stores between March and May, uh, they still held strong, and I think Best Buy is going to come out on top here. Wrap it. So, you know, James, I got to scrap that, not because I disagree with most of what you said. I actually agree with that. I just think that the sales trends here. Yes, I know. It's sad. I love Maurice's kids chiming in there. They they are not happy that I'm scrapping it as well. But ultimately, I think the sales trends going into the holiday season will nowhere near come where we were through September, October, even November. Uh, That's Best Buy's challenge, not its valuation and not where management has positioned this company. Wait. There is a Christmas miracle for all of those who thought the game was over now. We've got a bonus round. So let's get a last-minute stocking stuffer from one of the dollar stores. Dollar General, up 33% on the year. Pete, are you wrapping it or scrapping it? Oh, I'm wrapping it. This is an absolute gift. This is a wonder, wonderful Yay! present for all of us. This is one of those companies that's gone into it. They've competed in, in many ways with the Walmarts of the world, but the scaled-down size. And, Mel, they've doubled the store count in the last decade. These guys are absolutely amazing in terms of their execution, and, it, and it, they've been an amazing story. But 16,700 stores, I think they still have room to grow, and this is a company you've got to wrap it. With all due respect to my linebacking brother, Dollar General has to be scrapped. There's too much competition. The same store sales are up 200% in 2020. That's due to COVID. COVID's going to go away. This is an unsustainable growth trend. They've got competition from Target, Costco, Dollar Tree. Way too much heat on this. We've got to scrap it. Guy, how did it feel to see your um, your idea to come to life? Well, job, you know... Guy. <laughs> How long have I been doing the show? About 36 years. Um, Finally, you guys did something that I wanted to do. But Maurice's kids just <laughs> make adorable. the. I mean, that's just genius yeah. to the next level. So Absolutely. I am just. I'm a buyer. Awesome. I'm a rapid of rapid and scrap it. I'll wrap the rapid. How's that? All right. Coming up, a big downgrade on Moderna. Hitting the street just moments ago. We'll hear from the analyst behind that call while he's pumping the brakes on this high flying stock. And attention all silver dollar collectors and second place Olympians, silver is soaring. What is behind the move higher? We have got those details for you right after this. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to Fast Money. The Pfizer vaccine rollout continuing across the nation at this hour. And we got some big news today on another vaccine maker. The FDA ruling Moderna's COVID vaccine is safe and effective, setting the stage for it to be potentially approved for emergency use. That ruling could come as soon as Friday. But Moderna closed deep in the red today. And just moments ago, Jeffries hit the stock with a big downgrade. Let's bring in the man behind that call. Joining us now is Michael Yee, the biotech analyst over at Jeffries. Michael, great to have you with us. Great to be here. Um, you had been a big believer in the stock before, and part of that was uh, this mRNA platform, which is now proven through this vaccine. Uh, but it sounds like you think the market has already appreciated that, and, and that's in the stock? Uh, absolutely. It's great to be here with you guys. I mean, you pull up the chart. It has been a phenomenal run. Stocks hit $60 billion in market cap. I think it's number three now in terms of the biggest biotech on Wall Street. Uh, and I think uh, expectations have gotten ahead of itself. So, we're downgrading here, and I think uh, with the uh, launch ahead and more data coming from competitors, I think it's a timely time to take profits. So the competition is increasing. We're also entering an execution phase, if you will, in terms of the manufacturing, which is always fraught with uh, unknown risks, Michael. Um, but I'm wondering if, if bigger picture, if the best days for, for Moderna's stock may be behind it, at least for now, in so much that, you know, even for, for vaccines, there's always pricing pressure on vaccines. They don't stay at $20 a dose or whatever it is, $20 to $40 a dose forever. It always comes down. And that is Moderna's business, vaccines, things that naturally come down in price. I, I think that's a huge part of the concern as well. I would also emphasize the fact that expectations are high just with the launch, you know, probably starting Monday. Uh, I think they're going to put up big numbers and there's a lot of expectation. And I think as we go through the year, Pricing concerns are uh, certainly on the minds of investors, particularly as other vaccines come out. For the time being, they've benefited because some of the other vaccines like AstraZeneca have not been as good. And so people still think they're the best. Look, I think they're great, but others are coming. And I think investors are very nervous about that. Michael, I respect the downgrade. Um, good for you for being in front of something. I think your price target is $90. And, and that suggests, obviously, a significant decline from where we are, if I'm correct. Um, is there an upside, though, that, you, you know, you haven't sort of the best case scenario sort of off the risk spectrum or one side of the bell curve where this stock can continue its meteoric rise? It's a great question. Uh, yeah. So the downgrade was just today, but we did up the target to 150 just to be more in line with where we're at conservatively. Um, but the big case I think people are waiting around the corner is if you see that either Pfizer somehow has a big manufacturing slip up and you're seeing some of the media reports out, right? Maybe they didn't order enough. Maybe they can't make enough for the United States or that J&J and AstraZeneca, which are coming in the first quarter, maybe January. If those are not very good, everyone's going to say all there is left is Moderna and the stock is going to go up a lot. But you know, we think they're going to be positive. We think the expectations are high. But pay attention to that coming around the corner. Hey, Michael, it's Pete Nigerian. Quick question for you. Is there a name right now that you're looking at in biotech that you think is undervalued, under underappreciated right now? Because the one thing that we have been seeing is we've seen a lot of big pharma names that are scooping up various other companies, whether they're biotech or, or vaccine, therapeutics, whatever it might be. But is there an area right now that you say, you know what, I think there's a few names that are just not being appreciated the right way because they've got a great pipeline or whatever the whatever the case? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think there's two two in Smidcap land. One is uh, Beam, ticker B-E-A-M. You've seen a lot of gene therapy and a lot of interest in gene editing. That's got the next wave of gene editing. So check out Beam 
And another one uh, is Morphic, ticker M-O-R-F. They've got a new oral pill for ulcerative colitis. That's about a billion market cap. Huge partnership with AbbVie. And they've got some data around the corner on a new ulcerative colitis pill. So a lot of interest in SmidCap. There was another M&A takeout this morning of, of a gene therapy company. So we're optimistic about where biotech is going. I know there's been a big breakout. I know 2021 is going to be very, very good for these uh, these companies. But pumping the brakes on Moderna, like you said at the beginning of the segment. Just quickly, Michael, for those who want to invest in in either curing or, or vaccinating against COVID, is there a trade at this point, or is that pretty much over? You know, I think that there are going to be waxing and waning of the sentiment around the group together. You know, there's some other companies like Altimune, which has an intranasal one, ticker ALT. I know Novavax also has their data coming. You know, these stocks have all risen risen over the last six or 12 months. So it's going to be really hard to sort of pick the winners amongst these. And I think that a lot of the sentiment, again, has, has already been appreciated over the last few months. Pull up some of these charts. Yeah. Michael, great yeah. to speak with you as always. Thank you. Great to be here, guys. Thanks. Michael Yee of Jeffries. Tim, where do you go in healthcare? Well, first of all, echoing uh, the the praise for nailing a stock and then putting the brakes on when you know there's there's a difficult road ahead for the valuation, except identifying where oncology uh, in oncology and prophylactic vaccines, these guys still are very well positioned. I think you stay with the IBB. I mean, a multi-year breakout is is a way you get exposure to a number of these names where there are decent balance sheets and in some cases where at least the the valuation argument is is still very very strong so uh, i like the ibb here all right well sticking with healthcare, catch a special edition of the healthy returns live stream tomorrow meg terrell will sit down with dr anthony fauci and operation warp speeds dr monsef slawi register now at cnbcevents.com coming up Silver really getting its shine on this year, but can it maintain its luster over the other metals? We'll bring you the trade, and later, the housing market has been red hot, but at least one options trader thinks the sector may be on some shaky ground. How he's playing it when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out this SLV silver ETF rising nearly 3% for its best day since December 1st. It's our move of the day. Silver prices have more than doubled from their lows of the year, outpacing copper and gold. So, James, how are you trading this? Well, first we have to understand the precious metals role as a crisis hedge is behind us for now. And the price dynamics uh, of this ETF and, and the complex is currently benefiting from global QE and negative bond yields. And currently one-third of global debt outstanding carries negative yields. And so the question in everyone's mind is, will inflationary stimulus and hyperliquidity on overdrive here um, and the current deflationary tendency happen? No, it's still unclear and proven. Um, Crypto is also taking the spotlight away from precious metals as an inflation hedge. And so we think this is a stimulus QE uh, stoking of the asset price and inflation and Precious metals have enjoyed some of the updraft, but we don't think they're likely to benefit from fiscal stimulus going forward. And so I think this run uh, is just about over on silver. Pete? It might be over. He could be correct. But I think the reality that I'm seeing in the options world, the derivatives world, has been the month of December, they started coming back again, Mel. Remember, you heard me talking about all throughout the spring and then all the way towards the summer, SLV paper was absolutely outrageous, along with the GLD and different gold names and so forth. But 
the SLV, we have started to see again that upside call buying in a big way. And it tells me that they were right back in the spring. I think they might be right again, but it could be short lived. We'll see. All right. Coming up is the housing trade on shaky ground. We will tell you what we spot in the options market today that could signal a seller's market in this one name. Fast Money is back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Lynn, our shares dropping as a home builder gears up to report earnings tomorrow. Let's bring in Mike Coe, who spotted some unusual activity in the name that could signal more losses ahead. Mike, what'd you see? Yeah, so Lennar saw two and a half times as many puts trade today as they have on average. And right now, the options market is implying a move of about 6.4%, higher or lower by the end of the week after they report earnings. It's considerably higher than the 3.8% or so that the company has averaged over the last eight reported quarters. And the most active options were the December 74 strike puts. Those are the puts that expire this coming Friday. About 3,000 of those traded for $2.25 on average. Buyers of those puts are obviously betting that the stock could fall below that strike price. It was trading above that strike price this morning, but fell below it by the end of the day. And I think part of what could be going on here, despite a strong housing market, is this stock hasn't performed so well since its October highs, and perhaps they're just hedging their bets a little bit, despite the fact that the housing market seems to have a lot of things going for it right now. Guy, what do you think of the housing trade? I know you like Home Depot since it was the H in Hope. (laughs) I appreciate you pointing that out, and I do. And, you know, Restoration Hardware's been a monster. We've talked about that for a while. Uh, obviously, William Sonoma, we got into the, obviously, you've mentioned it a number of times, Mel, your yeah. affinity for the Dutch oven trade. Yeah, Dutch but oven. I think in terms of Lennar, 71 <laughs> is your line in the sand. If you go back and look in February, uh, that's where we topped out at in February. That's where it needs to hold into earnings. Um, I think Lennar actually sets up pretty well against 71, but uh, forced to choose in that segment, I'd still stay with the restoration hardware. It's been a monster. Yeah, I, I like the cast iron for cooking. Uh, Tim, where are you in housing? <laughs> well, I, I, first of all, how he traced Lennar to a Dutch oven and then did his own would you rather. I mean, he really should be put in time out. I, I can't. Anyway. He will be um, in six minutes. I, look, <laughs> so, so Whirlpool uh, building materials, train carrier, HVAC, those are the things that I think continue to be a part of this resurgence of low interest rates, fix up your home, um, and Home Depot and Lowe's. James, is there anywhere in housing that you like? No, uh, but Lennar is one of the blue chip home builders. We think there's going to be a reversion back to the average. Uh, The home builder ETF XHB, it's been underperforming after a paradoxically strong 2020, and so I'm suspicious here. Uh, but we like Lennar buy it only after it pulls back. How about you, Pete? I like a lot of these home builders. I, I own, uh, a matter of fact, I own Toll, I own DR uh, Horton, and I own Calls and Lennar. So I'm pretty bold up in, the, in those names. I also like a lot of the materials that feed into the home. So there's a lot of different names on that side of things that I think uh, will continue to move to the upside because demand is there, Mel, and we, we, we heard it throughout the start of earnings season with a lot of these builders, and the numbers were extraordinary, but there are certain aspects of the numbers is why Toll Brothers has sold off a bit now. All right, for more options action, be sure to tune into the full show Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Our thanks to Mike Coe, by the way. Up next, your final trade. How about this recovery by Twitter getting back to that October 29th high of 53? I think you break through and I think you stay long Twitter. Pete. 
Snowflake was getting some pressure early, Mel. It was trading 312 very early in the day today. They started buying calls. I think this is a stock that's ready to go higher. James. Markets are at a record overvaluation. We're at 209% of GDP. Got to be safe. The highest upside potential of any asset class is in short-term volatility, UVXY. Guy Adami. I believe we should use Wrap It or Scrap It on Boxing Day as well, and maybe sporadically through the year to get people ready for next year's holiday season. Just a thought, Mel. I don't know. Maybe you think the same. But what I'll tell you is Blackstone has been a monster. Take a look at that BX. All right. Thank you for watching Fast Money. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Meantime. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.